Is there something wrong? Warning. Life support failure on all decks. Abandon ship. Maybe it is time to take command. Bridge to Captain. Join Jan Shaw updating current events as only Jan can. Library computer. Data being received. Produced by CosmicReality.com. Hello and welcome to the Saturday edition of the Cosmic Creating Show. My name is Jan Shaw, the Success Alchemist. You can find me at the successalchemist.net, the webalchemist.net, empoweredmanifestation.com, Facebook and YouTube, Jan Shaw, the Success Alchemist, on Twitter at Coach Jan Shaw, Telegram is US UK Patriot, and on True Social, it is Success Alchemist. So go and take a look at all the other things that I do as well as being on this radio show twice a week. So I've actually decamped to the house here. I'm still in Arizona and the temperature today is going to be 113 degrees. And uh, my air conditioning unit in the RV just cannot cope with it. So the sound is a little bit different, perhaps a little echoey, but... uh, At least me and my lovely doggy, who's in here with me, are not actually expiring in the heat. So today is the 11th of June, 2022, and the focus of today's show is the transgender agenda, the what and the why. And I've spent a lot of time on this this week because I was very much... Um, impacted by watching the film, the the documentary, What is a Woman?, which is produced by Matt Walsh of The Daily Wire. And it really made me think about this and, you know, why are they pushing this transgender agenda so much? So I've actually put together a long article on the subject. It's actually 11 pages long in, in my Word document, and I'm going to publish that on my website, the, the successalchemist.net website after the show. So you'll be able to read it there and also access the links in the article um, referencing information that I've gathered. So if I have time for anything else at the end, which I doubt given it's 11 Um, pages then I may throw in a little bit of other news that's going on but we'll see how we get on so yes the transgender agenda June 2022 is pride month yes a whole month of celebrating the LGBTQ plus community that despite having doubled over the last 10 years according to a February 2022 Gallup poll makes up only 7.5% of the population. As many Twitter users have commented, a whole month for LGBTQ, but only a day for honouring the men and women who died while serving in the US military, referring, of course, to Memorial Day. On June 6th this year, the 78th anniversary of D-Day, President Biden tweeted about supporting the LGBTQ plus community at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time, although it looks like it's now been removed because of the backlash, but tweeted nothing about D-Day until 8.45 p.m. Eastern Time, which, given the time zone difference, would have been the next day, June the 7th, in Normandy, where the Allied forces stormed the beaches. Then we have Biden's administration's latest policy, No free lunch. Biden admin will pull meal funding for schools that don't comply with its LGBT agenda, as reported by the Washington Free Beacon. And the Center Square reported, the U.S. Department of Agriculture said this month it will change how it interprets Title IX prohibitions on discrimination based on sex to include discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity. That change means that schools that accept any kind of funding, including students receiving FAFSA or Pell Grants, 
or students who receive federally subsidised school lunch funding will be subject to the new Title IX LGBT interpretation. What this means in practice is that they must allow transgender students to use their bathroom of choice or they won't receive funding for meals. Bear in mind that we've already seen two reported rape cases by a transgender student in a girl's bathroom. Skirt-wearing male student is found guilty of raping a 15-year-old girl in a school bathroom in Loudoun County, Virginia, as reported by Standing for Freedom. So why are the woke leftists pushing transgenderism so hard? And why are so many young people falling for the transgender propaganda? Before I get into that, I'm going to dive a little deeper into the spiritual aspects of this and take a good look at the transgender agenda, which is pushed in our faces on a daily basis. Divine masculine and divine feminine. As spiritual beings, we all embody the energies of both the divine masculine and the divine feminine. And part of our purpose is to recognize the qualities of the two energies and be able to invoke the masculine or feminine energy as needed in particular circumstances. These energies are within both males and females and individuals vary in terms of which is the overall dominant energy regardless of their biological sex. As I defined in my article, Living in Harmony, a question of balance, the divine masculine has strength, courage, fearlessness and is the protector. He is action-oriented and logical, a builder of dreams and an adventurer who explores new territory. The divine feminine is creative, nurturing and gives birth to new ideas. She is a visionary who is guided by her feminine intuition and uses emotional intelligence. Which energy is naturally dominant within us has nothing to do with our biological sex. A woman can have the divine masculine as her dominant energy, and a man can have the divine feminine as his dominant energy. In my last corporate job as a project manager in the IT department, the management team was put through a series of personality profiling tests, and one of them was a test to identify if you were predominantly masculine or feminine on an energetic level. Not surprisingly, I was on the masculine scale. Growing up, I was a tomboy. I played games with my brothers. I rode horses, was never into dolls, and I've never been a girly girl. I don't own a skirt or a dress, and I can't remember the last time I wore one. In my teens, I remember recognising my masculine qualities and wondering if I was more like a boy than a girl. I think that's a normal part of growing up and getting in touch with your identity. Does that mean I should have been born a boy? Does that mean I'm a man in a woman's body and should have had a sex change? No, no, and thrice no. Imagine if I had been persuaded by a person in authority that these feelings meant I was in the wrong body, which is what is happening in schools run by progressive school boards and woke LGBTQ teachers. It's like they want all the kids in their class to join their club. What we're seeing is deliberate manipulation of children's emotions at probably the most vulnerable time of their life when they are searching for their identity. What is happening in schools? Children are being sexualized at a very young age, not just in the USA but around the world. A friend of mine in the UK confirmed that transgenderism is being pushed in UK schools too. We have woke LGBTQ teachers proudly relating their sexual orientation to children as young as five. We have woke LGBTQ teachers talking about sexuality to children as young as five. We have pornographic LGBTQ books in school libraries. When parents object at the school board meetings, in some cases they are silenced or even forcibly removed. Children are being given assignments that are totally inappropriate and include sexual content, including references to child sexual abuse, which reportedly upset, if not traumatised, one child according to her mother who reported it. A school in Victoria, Australia, gave this assignment to 10-year-old children. Primary school children told to ask their dads about their erections and ejaculations for homework, as reported by Cauldron Pool, 
which includes a video of an MP going ballistic over this homework being given to school children. The New York Post reports how public schools brainwash young kids with harmful transgender ideology. Here's an extract from the article published in December 2021. Militant transgender advocates are opposing their agenda with uncompromising zeal on school children. That's fine with President Joe Biden. His administration announced this month that by April it will enhance the legal entitlements of transgender public school students with new guarantees regarding access to bathrooms, locker rooms and sports competitions. These issues grab the headlines, but they're less harmful to most students than the damage being done by the distortion of the school curriculum. From the youngest age, students are being brainwashed with gender ideology. Children as young as five are being encouraged to disregard their anatomy and choose their gender based on their feelings. Last week, a California mother raged at the Spreckles Union School District Board for allowing teachers to coach her 12-year-old daughter on becoming a boy, choosing a boy's name and hiding the plan from the family. Here's what's happening in the UK. School has 17 children changing gender as teacher says vulnerable pupils are being tricked into believing they're the wrong sex. Here's a short extract. An astonishing 17 pupils at a single British school are in the process of changing gender, the Mail on Sunday can reveal. Most of the youngsters undergoing the transformation are autistic, according to a teacher there, who said vulnerable children with mental health problems were being tricked into believing they are the wrong sex. The whistleblower says few of the transgender children are suffering from gender dysphoria, the medical term for someone who feels they were born in the wrong body, but are just easily influenced, latching on to the mistaken belief they are the wrong sex as a way of coping with the problems caused by autism. Also, the teacher says she felt compelled to speak out to protect pupils, many of whom she believes could already be taking the powerful drugs and may go on to have life-changing surgery. She believes schools and some politicians have swallowed hook, line and sinker a politically correct fallacy peddled by a powerful transgender lobby. Drag queen events. The Washington Times reports Pride Month sees spike in drag queen events for children. Here's an extract from the article. A growing number of family-friendly drag queen story hours and dance performances open to children are becoming a mainstay of June Pride Month celebrations. Incidentally, family-friendly is in quotes. It's ironic. The social media account Libs of TikTok has posted dozens of viral tweets over the past week showing public schools, libraries, parks, gay nightclubs and even a Florida church including young children in pride events featuring professional drag queens. Libs of TikTok shared flyers on June the 1st for the San Antonio Zoo's second annual Night Out at the Zoo on June 17th a, quote, family-friendly ticketed event for all ages, end quote, that will feature performances by the cross-dressing extravagrams. Drag has even come to zoos, the post notes. On June the 9th, the Libs of TikTok Twitter account was suspended because they violated community standards, although it's now been restored. Conservative activists and groups are criticising such events, Meg Kilgannon, Senior Fellow for Education Studies at the Family Research Council, said many parents don't want organisations advertising drag events to their children. Sexualised dance performance featuring adult males dressed as women is not appropriate entertainment for children, Ms Kilgannon said. What is a woman? Remember when Supreme Court nominee Katanji Brown-Jackson refused to define a woman because she wasn't a biologist during her confirmation hearing. Perhaps this was what prompted Matt Walsh at the Daily Wire to make a documentary on this very subject. What is a Woman had its premiere on June 1st, coinciding with the start of Pride Month. 
Matt travels around the country posing this question to people on the street, medical and psychiatric professionals, and even visited a Maasai tribe in Africa who laughed at the concept that a man could be a woman or a woman could become a man. And at the end, a transgender man who bitterly regrets his transition. It seems that Katanji Brown-Jackson is not alone in being unable or unwilling to define what a woman is. And several of Matt's interviewees even take offence at him asking the question. We have a therapist, a paediatrician and a gynaecologist whose approach seems to be to affirm a child's desire to transition to the opposite sex as quickly as possible before they change their minds. Bear in mind that they have a potential conflict of interest because the apparently female therapist says she's not a woman, so she can't define a woman. The gynaecologist who performs vaginoplasty surgery has a transgender history and identifies as a woman, denies that regret exists in anything but a tiny minority of people who transitioned. The paediatrician states it is incorrect to say that sex assigned at birth because the baby has a penis applies throughout life. Dr. Patrick Gazanka, a professor of gender studies, when asked the question, what is a woman, said he was uncomfortable with the language of getting to the truth. It sounds deeply transphobic to me. The word truth is condescending and rude. A woman is anyone who identifies as a woman. Several of Matt's interviewees took a saner approach. Miriam Grossman, MD, as a child psychologist and defined gender dysphoria as an intense loathing and discomfort with one's biological sex. She also said sex is unchanging because it is based on chromosomes while gender is subjective, it is a perception. Her view is that gender dysphoria should be treated as a mental illness. Sarah Stockton, MA, a licensed marriage and family therapist, LMFT, said if you have two parents, one who wants to affirm the gender transition identity and one who doesn't, the one who wants to affirm wins every time. The goal is to get the parents to affirm the kid. The process is identify, do hormones, do surgery. There isn't any other pathway. Jordan Peterson, a Canadian clinical psychologist and a professor emeritus at the University of Toronto, said, Temperament is not binary. You can have a masculine temperament if you're a woman. You can have a feminine temperament if you're a man. What do we do? Carve them up? The differences temperamentally between men and women aren't that great. Dr. Deborah So, author of The End of Gender, left academia because the climate had become too stifling politically. She said, especially in the topic of gender identity and the science of gender, it is impossible to do good research. If any sex researcher spoke out about science that went against activist orthodoxy, they would have their personal and professional reputations ruined. Carl Truman, author of The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, said trans is very cool, a way of giving yourself value and a sense of self-worth. The woke trend of transgenderism and the sexualization of children. As I said earlier, it's not just transgenderism that is being promoted. It is the general sexualization of children. I mentioned earlier the promotion of sexual content to young children in schools. Netflix faced a huge backlash for the streaming of the movie Cuties, which portrayed tween girls dancing suggestively and other sexual content. Subscriptions to the streaming service dropped dramatically as people cancelled in protest. Self-identity has gone loony. We even have teachers affirming animal identities like a cat having to respond to a meow. This is insane. Disney is promoting LGBTQ characters in their children's entertainment. They have stopped using the terms boys and girls in their theme parks. The New York Post reported back in March, Disney slams Florida for signing Don't Say Gay Bill into law. Here's a short extract from the article. 
The Walt Disney Company has come out against Florida's Don't Say Gay Bill after it was signed into law on Monday by the state's Republican governor, Ron DeSantis. The company has been beset with controversy from within as its left-leaning workers staged a walkout to protest management's initial reluctance to denounce the measure while its conservative employees urged higher-ups to stay neutral on hot-button political issues. Florida's HB 1557, also known as the Don't Say Gay Bill, should never have passed and should never have been signed into law, reads the statement from Disney, which posted the message on its corporate Twitter feed Monday. Our goal as a company is for this law to be repealed by the legislature or struck down in the courts, and we remain committed to supporting the national and state organisations working to achieve that. The statement added, we are dedicated to standing up for the rights and safety of LGBTQ plus members of the Disney family, as well as the LGBTQ plus community in Florida and across the country. That's the end of the quote. But as the saying goes, go woke, go broke. As people are cancelling their Disney plus subscriptions and trips to Disney theme parks in droves in response to their position on this law. The New York Post publishes a follow-up article, Disney enters Oscars weekend in chaos over Don't Say Gay Bill response, and explains that the law is nothing to do with Don't Say Gay, which activists claim is homophobic. It is purely about protecting young children from age-inappropriate sexual topics. Quote, Hollywood is prepping for its biggest night of the year, the Oscars on Sunday. But chaos at Disney is already looming large over the event, with internal discord and an escalating employee backlash at the Mouse House threatening to spoil the party. Disney is scrambling to contain the fallout over its response to a Florida bill that would bar teachers from discussing LGBTQ topics like sexual orientation or gender identity with students unless they're in the fourth grade or higher. The issue prompted an internal battle among company employees who are divided on whether Disney should get political. Left-leaning employees staged walkouts this week, arguing the company failed the LGBT community by initially failing to denounce the bill. A separate group of conservative employees urged the company to stay politically neutral, arguing Disney has created an environment of fear for workers who don't adhere to progressive orthodoxy. End of quote. As a result of Disney's threat to get the law repealed, the GOP-controlled Florida legislature voted to remove Disney's self-governing status. Touché. The sexualization of children. Introducing sexual material to children at a young age is a form of grooming. What is grooming? One definition is grooming is when someone builds a relationship, trust and emotional connection with a child or young person so they can manipulate, exploit and abuse them. Children and young people who are groomed can be sexually abused, exploited or trafficked. Then we have the normalisation of paedophilia by calling pedophiles minor attractive persons. Yes, really. The Daily Mail reports... Trans Professor 34, who defended paedophiles as minor attracted persons, finally resigns after 15,000 people signed online petition. Quote from the article, The trans Old Dominion professor who defended paedophiles by saying society should refer to them as minor attracted persons has finally resigned after 15,000 people signed an online petition to have them removed from their teaching role. Dr. Alan Walker, 34, who goes by the pronouns they, them, was placed on leave by Old Dominion University in Norfolk, Virginia last week after a swell of outrage over their remarks and views. Working as an assistant professor of sociology and criminal justice since 2019, Walker has written a book that tries to destigmatize pedophilia and encourages people to refer to paedophiles as minor attracted people, saying they shouldn't be ostracised for their urges, which can't be helped. So what we have is an overall problem of pushing sexuality onto young children 
and robbing them of their innocence. Potentially that makes them more open and vulnerable to being persuaded that they are in the wrong body or makes them easy prey for predatory paedophiles. Unfortunately, there is an element of sociology that has persuaded parents that in order to be a good parent, we have to indulge all our children's desires and demands. What is the transgender agenda? It's a question that could involve several answers. Let's look at them. Follow the money. According to the What is a Woman documentary, every child they convince to transition generates $1.7 million for Big Pharma. Lupron, which is the hormone blocker, is reversible, so they say. In 2003, the, ma the makers were sued and deemed a criminal enterprise by the US government and paid the most fine of any pharmaceutical company at that time, $874 million. Lupron is also used for chemical castration and is being given to kids. When Matt Walsh brought this up with the paediatrician, she abruptly terminated the interview. Unfair advantage. In cases of older teens who have transitioned, we have seen numerous examples of transgender female athletes across the spectrum of sports who have been unsuccessful in men's sports, but who sweep the board when they compete against women, destroying talented female athletes' careers in the process. An attack on women. While there are both transgender men and women, it is the transgender women who are most in the spotlight. The inability to define a woman is to deny the essence of women. Being a woman is so much more than dressing up in women's clothes, hair and makeup. Claiming that men can have babies makes a mockery of motherhood. Calvin Klein launched an ad to celebrate Mother's Day showing a pregnant transgender man with his transgender female partner. Women are now called birthing persons and tampons are now being placed in men's bathrooms because men can menstruate. Transgender men are invading women's locker rooms and exposing their male genitalia to young girls. Transgender males in women's prisons are raping female inmates. It is insane, in my opinion, the world has gone mad. Depopulation agenda. We know the globalists have a plan to depopulate the world with their aim to reduce the population to 500,000 by the year 2030. It is written in plain sight on the Georgia Guidestones and promoted in Agenda 2030 and the Great Reset by the World Economic Forum. By giving puberty blockers and hormone therapy to boys and girls, followed in many cases by reassignment surgery, euphemistically referred to as top and bottom surgeries to conceal the horrific mutilation that is being performed, they are destroying their ability to reproduce. Even though the percentage of transgenders in the population is low, but increasing year on year, it only makes a small contribution to depopulation and minuscule by comparison to the average 600,000 abortions performed per year, and now the huge number of deaths due to the COVID-19 vaccine bioweapon. A satanic inversion of God's creation. What is a woman? Spoiler alert. Matt Walsh's wife sums it up in three words at the end of the documentary. It is an adult human female. To add to that, it is a person with a womb. You can perform any number of bottom surgeries on men, but you will never create the ability to birth a child. The essence of Satanism is inversion. Good is evil. Evil is good. Black is white. White is black. You get the picture. Their symbol is an inverted cross. They worship Baphomet. Take a look at the, this BBC article, decoding the symbols on Satan's statue. A controversial statue unveiled by the Satanic Temple at a secret ceremony in Detroit has attracted protests. But who is the goat-headed figure? And what do the elements of the statue symbolise? The bronze statue is nearly nine feet tall, and depicts a winged hermaphrodite known as Baphomet, flanked by two smiling children. It cost $100,000 to make, 
and hundreds of Satanists turned out to see it unveiled. So you can see there's the link between the hermaphrodite, neither male nor female, and also the children. They also worship Moloch, a god whose bronze body was a furnace used for sacrificing children. Hollywood, the music industry, and even Disney is filled with satanic symbolism, which once you've seen it, you can't unsee it. The inversion of the divine creation of the human male and female is the ultimate blasphemy. I rarely let things get to me, but after watching What is a Woman, I put my head in my hands and cried. What the woke folks are doing to our children is unforgivable. Introducing sexuality and transgenderism to them, in kindergarten in some cases, persuading girls that they should be boys and vice versa, putting pornographic material into school libraries, giving young children puberty blockers and mutilating their bodies. It is nothing short of demonic. The most sickening thing to watch was so-called medical professionals justifying and even promoting it. We truly are living through a modern-day Sodom and Gomorrah. God help us and God help the children. So that's the end of my article. It didn't take as long as I expected to read, so I do have time for some other uh, topics in the news. But before I do, I just want to say that, you know, it's so obvious that this transgender agenda is being pushed, even in government and in the rest of the media. Because we have Rachel Levine, who was given the title Woman of the Year by one of the major fake news media papers. I can't remember which one it was exactly. Is there uh, any greater slap in the face to women than giving Woman of the Year to a male? And ironically, she, she he is the um, health secretary, I believe. So it's hardly, she's hardly indicative of um, normal health, let's say. And if people want to change their sex and their adults who are fully developed psychologically, then I have, you know, let them do what they want to do. It's the pushing of it on down everybody's throats that I object to. And as you gather from the article, particularly uh, imposing this on children, it is, as I said, it's evil and demonic. So I'm going to cover a couple of things. First of all, I'm going to cover this um, show trial, January 6th show trial, that started on Thursday evening. And Epoch Times reports four edited tweets videos shown by January 6th panel during primetime hearing. And this was published on the 10th yesterday. During a June 9th primetime hearing disclosing its findings after a nearly year-long investigation, the Democrat-dominated panel investigating the January 6th, 2021 breach of the US Capitol showed a series of videos and tweets that had been selectively trimmed or edited to bolster their claims that President Donald Trump was responsible for the breach. During the hearing, the January 6th panel claimed that Trump orchestrated the violence at the Capitol in early 2021 as part of a coup to remain in power and nullify the 2020 election results. January 6th was the culmination of an attempted coup, said Representative Benny Thompson, Democrat Mississippi, chairman of the committee during the hearing in Washington. A brazen attempt to overthrow the government, violence was no accident. Those, quote, who stormed the Capitol and occupied the Capitol, end quote, Thompson said later, were, quote, domestic enemies of the Constitution, end quote. The Commission's decision to selectively edit an array of videos and tweets to back up the claims, however, has drawn criticism. Edited video implies Trump applauded violence at the Capitol. In one example, the Commission placed comments made by Trump in an interview over video showing the Capitol breach, edited in such a way as to make it appear that Trump was applauding the genuine acts of violence that unfolded at the Capitol. 
They were peaceful people. These, these were great people, Trump said in a July 11, 2021 interview with Fox News. The crowd was unbelievable, and I mentioned the word love, the love, the love in the air. I have never seen anything like it. While Trump was in fact referring to the vast majority of protesters who gathered peacefully to hear him speak on January 6, 2021, the commission video leaves the impression that Trump is referencing those who became violent. On January 6, Trump spoke before a massive crowd that had come to Washington to peacefully encourage Congress to hold off on certification of the electoral slates in states with major concerns of voter fraud. It was this crowd that Trump was referring to in the out-of-context comments presented by the January 6 panel. In the full, uncut version of the statement during an interview with Fox News' Sunday Morning Futures, Trump said, So there was a big rally called, and actually when I say big, who knew, but there was a rally called, and a tremendous number of people, the largest rally I have ever spoken at before, is called by people, by patriots. And they asked me if I'd speak, and I did. And it was a very mild-mannered speech, as I think has been. In fact, they just came out with a report in Congress, and they didn't mention my name, literally. But what they were complaining about, and the reason, in my opinion, you had over a million people there, which the press doesn't like to report at all, because it shows too much, too much activity, too much, too much spirit and faith and love. There was such love at that rally. You had over a million people there. They were there for one reason, the rigged election. They felt the election, the election was rigged. That's why they were there, and they were peaceful people. They were great people. The crowd was unbelievable, and I mentioned the word love. The love, the love in the air. I've never seen anything like it. And that's why they went to Washington. Bodies of Ashley Babbitt, Roseanne Boyland left out of public footage. In another instance, British filmmaker Nick Quested, who was present at the Capitol that day, presented video that he shot of the January 6th rally. However, selectively left out of the video was footage Quested shot showing the dead bodies of two Trump supporters, Ashley Babbitt and Roseanne Boyland. Babbitt, an unarmed Air Force veteran, was shot by Cat Capitol Police Lieutenant Michael Byrd. Boylan was killed after being crushed under a sea of protesters retreating from police who had fired tear gas and was then brutally beaten by a DC Metropolitan Police officer while she was still unconscious. Quested's graphic footage shows Capitol Police moments after shooting Babbitt point-blank and killing her, carrying her body down a flight of stairs. It also shows Boylan unconscious, her face swollen and bruised, receiving desperate attention from other Trump supporters at the rally that day. Boylan was eventually brought into the Capitol where police began to attempt to revive her using CPR and, videos indicate, a defibrillator. Boylan finally arrived at a hospital nearly two hours later where she was pronounced dead. In a past statement to the Epoch Times, Boylan's father said that while Boylan's exact time of death is uncertain, they suspect it happened in the time frame that Quested's video captured. Joseph McBride, a top attorney for January 6 defendants, blasted the commission's selective editing of the video in a June 10th tweet. The January 6th committee edited Nick Quested's footage deliberately to deceive the American public, McBride wrote. Footage of protesters trying to save Roseanne Boylan's life and of their scolding the police for murdering Ashley Babbitt was removed because it doesn't support the official narrative. Cheney presents incomplete Trump text, says he did not condemn the attack. On another occasion, ranking member Liz Cheney, Republican Wyoming, one of only two Republicans on the committee who were both virulent Trump critics, referenced a tweet Trump made on January 6th. Trump did not condemn the attack, Cheney claimed before reading the tweet. Instead, he justified it. Cheney proceeded to read the tweet aloud. These are the things and events that happen when a sacred landslide election victory is so viciously and unceremoniously stripped away from great patriots who have been badly and unfairly treated for so long, Cheney read.
However, she omitted the crucial end of the tweet when Trump told his supporters, go home with love and in peace. Remember this day forever. Key exchange cut from recorded testimony, former Trump aide says. Cheney also misrepresented video testimony from Getter CEO and former Trump advisor Jason Miller, according to Miller. In this clip, Miller describes a call between the Trump campaign's internal data expert and President Trump a few days after the 2020 election. Cheney said shortly before playing a video clip showing Miller's testimony before the panel. I was in the Oval Office, Miller said, and at some point in the conversation, Matt Oskofsky, who was the lead data person, was brought on. And I remember he delivered to the president in pretty blunt terms that he was going to lose. And that was based, Mr. Miller, on Matt and the data team's assessment of the sort of county-by-county, state-by-state results as reported, investigators asked Miller. Correct, Miller said. However, Miller said, the video is cut early before Miller begins to explain his reasons for disagreeing with Oskofsky. In a June 9th Twitter thread, Miller revealed the next moments of the video that were not presented to the public. Here's what came next in my testimony, which Liz Cheney failed to play, Miller wrote. Question, okay, and what was the president's reaction then when Matt said to him, hey, we've looked at the numbers, you're going to lose? Answer, I think it's safe to say he disagreed with Matt's analysis. Question, on what basis did he give a basis? Answer, he believed that Matt was not looking at the prospect of legal challenges going our way and that Matt was looking at purely from what those numbers were showing as opposed to broader things to include legality and election integrity, issues which, as a data guy, he may not have been monitoring. These instances are not the first time that the controversial January 6th panel, which, aside from Cheney, has only one other Republican, Representative Adam Kinzinger, Republican Illinois, has been caught misrepresenting, cutting, or even doctoring evidence to bolster its claims. In one of the boldest examples of misrepresentation, Representative Adam Schiff, Democrat California, who in the past has leaked faked emails by Donald Trump Jr. and fabricated a 2019 transcript between President Trump and Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, was caught presenting doctored text messages. The messages exchanged between Representative Jim Jordan, Republican Ohio, and then White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows were shortened and had context cut out to make it appear as if Jordan had tersely instructed Meadows to ask Vice President Mike Pence not to certify electoral slates from states thought to have had potential voter fraud. Because of its track record of misrepresenting data, its tendency to target Trump allies and the lack of any real opposition on the committee, Republicans have long accused the commission of being little more than a partisan witch hunt. The January 6th commission is expected to have several more public hearings moving forward as it continues to try to make the case that Trump indeed attempted to mount an insurrection against the US government. Even far-left Rachel Maddow a uh, progressive, liberal, whatever you care to call her, was uh, on an interview when she said it couldn't possibly <clears throat> have been people from the Trump rally who were responsible for breaking into the Capitol because that happened before the Trump rally speech ended. So how could it have been those Trump supporters who were responsible for the breach? So that was a bit of a bombshell for the <laughs> the Democrat Party. And then we have a report from Western Journal uh, that reveals that this show trial was not as popular with viewers as I think the Democrat Party hoped. TV ratings for January 6th hearing are in. Viewers changed the channel in droves. And this was published earlier today. Ratings for Thursday night's primetime hearing by the House panel investigating the January 6, 2021 Capitol incursion show Americans would have preferred some straight news. In a review of ratings shared by Newsbusters, a clear pattern emerged. 
every one of the three major broadcast networks that aired the hearing ended up with a smaller audience than if they had simply provided their usual news content. For example, ABC's Hall of 4.35 million viewers for the hearing might seem impressive, but it usually draws 7.4 million viewers for World News Tonight, based on ratings from the week of June 1st. The same trend was repeated on NBC, where the novelty of a primetime hearing attracted 3.31 million viewers, about half of the 6.06 million viewers who usually watch the news on NBC. Over at CBS, Curiosity managed to attract 3.24 million viewers, but that was below the nightly average of 4.3 million viewers. A tweet from Clay Travis says, So Democrats scheduled a primetime congressional hearing into January 6th, a riot that happened 18 months ago that almost no one cares about. The night before, inflation data is going to be released that shows we are still at a 40-year inflation high. Talk about tone deaf. Wow. And J.D. Haltingen, Haltingen, PhD, replies, hoping Game 5 of the Rangers Lightning series has better ratings. The 18 to 49 age group in particular was turned off by the substitution of the hearing for the news. Across the networks, an average of 596,000 viewers in that age range watched the hearings. However, 996,000 viewers will be watching the news on an average night. Tucker Carlson of Fox News, the only major network not to devote its evening to the hearing, said the media allowing itself to be a publicity tool for the hearing was a day that will live in shame in the history of the the American news business. In an op-ed on Fox News, Carlson called the hearing unedited campaign propaganda scripted by the Democrat Party. Carlson said the primetime event was definitely not a hearing, it was a show trial. At a hearing, dissent is permitted. The other side can speak. Evidence is presented. Evidence is not censored or deceptively edited. That's not allowed, he wrote. Carlson said media leaders are working with Democratic Party leaders and President Joe Biden to distract Americans from the major issue stalking the nation, inflation. Carlson accused the media of complicity in a campaign to fool the public, to make you believe that your personal concerns, like the fact you can't buy food or drive anywhere or the police won't come because they can't afford gas, those are not important. The illegitimate January 6th hearing this week is a distraction from the Biden admin's colossal domestic and international failures. That's a tweet from Representative Andy Biggs. He goes on, Americans are troubled by Biden's record inflation, high gas prices, major crime in cities and a porous southern border. The priorities are wrong. The media and Democrats are trying to to brainwash Americans, he wrote. You have to pretend that January 6, 2021 remains the single worst thing ever to happen to America, even though not one living person really believes that. And if you don't say so, if you don't confess the one true faith in public, you'll be hurt, he wrote. Carlson said because inflation is a problem without a solution, Democrats have resorted to distraction. So record inflation is likely here to stay. If you want to know why they're talking about January 6th in prime time, that's why, he wrote. And there are many Trump supporters on Twitter saying, oh, you know, who cares about January 6th? Let's move on. Let's move on. I actually disagree with that because I think it's fairly plain to see that this was a complete setup by Pelosi and the FBI to discredit Trump and his supporters. You know, she refused the troops that were offered. And we know that, the, as, as Rachel Maddow pointed out, the, the breach of the Capitol was done before the people at the rally could have got to the Capitol. Um, and why people like Ray Epps, who was inciting people to go into the... Um, into the Capitol, and also the ones responsible for breaking the windows who were pretty obviously Antifa people. So I think really this has to be dealt with. And in fact, Kash Patel was saying that um, come November when the Republicans 
take back the House and the Senate, then there really needs to be a proper investigation of this and the subpoenaing of uh, Nancy Pelosi for her role and also that she must be subpoenaed herself. She has absolutely refused to release the 14,000 hours of video from inside the Capitol, and that in itself is almost an obvious admission that all is not what is made out to be. So let's look forward to that after November. Of course, they won't actually step into power or into control of the House until January, and the hope is and the expectation is that then, of course, um, Nancy Pelosi won't be the speaker and may not even be in Congress. So we'll have to see. Of course, that's assuming that the Democrats don't succeed in rigging the midterm elections and stealing yet another election. So we've had more strange news from the Uvalde school shooting. Uh, The Blaze reports yesterday, Uvalde school police chief says he didn't know that he was in charge during the child massacre and explains why he didn't know about 911 calls from children inside. The Uvalde school police chief, who has been lambasted for the lack of police response in the child massacre, said that he didn't know he was in charge at the time and explained how he didn't know about 911 calls coming from inside the school. Pete Arredondo, the chief of police for the Uvalde school district, made the revelations in an interview with the Texas Tribune that was published Thursday. He went through a moment-by-moment recollection of what he did during the hour that the shooter was locked in with children at Robb Elementary School and kept killing them. Arredondo assumed that some other officer or official had taken control of the larger response. He took on the role of a frontline responder. He said he never considered himself the scene's incident commander and did not give any instruction that police should not attempt to breach the building. DPS officials have described Arredondo as the incident commander and said Arredondo made the call to stand down and treat the incidents as a, quote, barricaded suspect, which halted the attempt to enter the room and take down the shooter. I didn't issue any orders, Arredondo said. I called for assistance and asked for an extraction tool to open the door. Arredondo also cleared up the mystery surrounding why police didn't take more aggressive measures to save the children inside the school who were calling 911 and begging for help. He said that he had rushed off to the incident and left his radios behind, which limited his access to information from other police. That doesn't make sense. (laughs) To Arredondo, the choice was logical. An armed killer was loose on the campus of the elementary school. Every second mattered, he wanted both hands free to hold his gun, ready to aim and fire quickly and accurately if he encountered the gunman. He said that when he made his way to the two classrooms of the incident, that he had assumed the gunman had barricaded himself in. According to his account, no one in the hallway told him about the 911 calls being made from inside the rooms and he had no radios to become informed about the calls. A police tactics expert told the Tribune that the chief being without a radio was inexplicable and inconceivable. Arredondo went on to defend the actions of the police and said they did not hesitate to defend the teachers and children. Not a single responding officer ever hesitated, even for a moment, to put themselves at risk to save the children, Arredondo said. We responded to the information that we had and had to adjust to whatever we faced. Our objective was to save as many lives as we could, and the extraction of the students from the classrooms by all that were involved saved over 500 of our Uvalde students and teachers before we gained access to the shooter and eliminated the threat. The Tribune reported that Arredondo has received death threats and has had to go into hiding over the police response to the massacre. He was also raised in Uvalde and had attended Robb Elementary School as a boy. Now, the thing just just doesn't make sense to me about this is that if this guy inside the classroom was shooting at these children still, then they would have heard the gunshots. 
So there's no way it could have been interpreted as a barricaded situation. It just doesn't add up any of it. So I think we're still on on line with uh, thinking that this was a another false flag. But um, as I said, it just doesn't add up. I'm just going to finish with what seems to be, to me, a bombshell report by the Gateway Pundit, which was published on the 9th. Pfizer quietly admits it will never manufacture the vaccine that was FDA approved. We'll produce new trisucrose formulation mRNA vaccine instead. Now, I've always said that this was a sham because, you know, they had this, um, as I say, smoke and mirrors uh, approval by the FDA of the community vaccine, which hid the fact that the vaccine so-called being administered was still ones under emergency use authorization. So it was actually illegal to mandate these vaccines because they were still experimental. So, you know, the criminal Pfizer organization is at it again. The article reads, it's official, Pfizer's fully approved and experimental mRNA vaccine dubbed community was nothing more than a head fake. Earlier this week, the notorious experimental vaccine maker quietly submitted an update to the CDC admitting that its originally licensed community vaccine will never be distributed for use. In other words, Pfizer has exclusively been supplying its version of the experimental vaccine that was granted emergency use authorization by the FDA, a.k.a zero Pfizer-branded vaccines given in the U.S. have been fully approved. From the Pfizer update via independent journalist Jordan Schachtel, Pfizer received initial FDA BLA license on 8-23-2021 for its COVID-19 vaccine for use in individuals 16 and older, community. At that time, the FDA published a BLA package insert that included the approved new COVID-19 vaccine trade name Comirnaty and listed two new NDCs, and there's a serial number here, and images of labels with the new trade name. These NDCs will not be manufactured, only NDCs for the subsequently BLA-approved Tris Sucrose formulation will be produced. The silent update, which was posted unannounced on the CDC's website, comes after months of posturing by Pfizer and U.S. public health officials who all claim the vaccine was fully approved and therefore you should take it. In reality, there was as much a fully approved vaccine as there was proof of Bigfoot, but the jab had the credentials it needed. Even more concerningly, the FDA deceptively sent out two letters regarding the separate jabs, community and EUA, which helped confuse the public and aided in the fake news media's manipulation. Until the FDA's announcement in August 2021, millions of Americans had been hesitant to take the vaccine because of its temporary approval status. As many as 30% of the unvaccinated, according to polling cited by Anthony Fauci at the time, Because of this, the Biden regime capitalized on the FDA's decision in an effort to increase uptake and quell vaccine hesitancy, and sadly, it worked. Not only did the FDA's fake approval also serve as the catalyst for a massive wave of mandates, both by Biden federally and by Democrat tyrants alike, but the deceptive move also increased overall vaccine uptake by a massive 36%, minus the mandates, according to one study published in the Journal for American Medicine Association, JAMA. Unsurprisingly, researchers found that series completing vaccinations, second and third dose, etc., saw the largest increase of all with a 77% uptick post-approval. The FDA's decision also sent shockwaves around the world, compelling hesitant citizens of other Western nations to also take the vaccine. Millions were misled by the experts. Is that not criminal medical malpractice at the very, very least? Unfortunately, any hope of accountability for this is a long shot right now. 
In addition to the treasonous Biden regime holding the keys, Pfizer is completely exempt from damages related to its experimental mRNA vaccine, thanks to its status under EUA. As Dr. Malone, the inventor of mRNA technology, has said for months, if Pfizer doesn't give out its fully approved version, they keep the immunity, and that's exactly what they've done. However, Fraus Omnia Corrumpit, fraud corrupts all, as the saying goes. The actions of all parties involved are enough to trash any legal protections afforded to them. So, all we need are some serious people back in D.C. Seems like another case of fraud vitiates everything and they will lose their protection. Let's just keep our fingers crossed for that. So, that's all I have time for today. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll join me for another Cosmic Creating show. Probably not Wednesday, probably next Saturday. Thank you to Nancy Hopkins for producing and to Derek Condit, a sponsor of the Cosmic Reality Radio Station, and visit his website, mysticalwares.com. So until next time, stay well, be safe, and bye for now. You have been listening to Cosmic Creating with Jan Shaw, updating current reality, a production of CosmicReality.com.